Well, good evening. Welcome to Wednesday evening chapel. Glad you are here. Isn't it awesome we get to come together as a student body just to come together and just to be encouraged and also receive from the Lord together? Amen. As Amen. a church. Amen. We're privileged to have uh, Reverend Jim Murray. Murray, he is a former, uh, he's an alumni of here, 2000 and. 2004. He's all, and now he's a, he's the pastor at Pueblo First Church of the Nazarene. So let's welcome Jim, Pastor Jim. Thank you. Let's all stand as we worship this evening. Amen. John, John chapter eight. It says, "If the Son has set you free, you will be free indeed." Amen. Do you do you believe that tonight? Let us worship. Praise His name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, how excellent is that? Woo! Amen, amen. I'll tell you, uh, you guys probably get this invitation all the time, but if you ever just want to kind of come down to Pueblo, this worship team, all of you, just make your way down. We'll move on. Well, anyway, I know you're busy, but praise God. Uh, am I really loud? All right, all right. Well, what a joy it is for me to be back in, at uh, Nazarene Bible College. Um, uh, I'll tell you, these are some of the most fondest memories uh, my family has being here in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Uh, we came out in 1998, my wife Deanna, and I have now four boys. We started off with two when we got here. That kind of thing happens, and, uh, and we ended up leaving with four. And so we, uh, we are, I'm just so delighted to be here. Uh, this chapel, I was walking around earlier, and uh, uh, I have so many amazing encounters with God right here in this place. And uh, I hope, I hope that you take advantage of this beautiful place. And, uh, and, and it's just, it just, you know, I had a, a professor tell me uh, while I was here, he says, Jim, you need to unpack. You need to unpack and embrace the journey. And, uh, you know, it was for about two years I didn't unpack. I, was, I kept everything packed and emotionally as well. And, uh, and, and when we unpacked, this became one of the most amazing journeys in my life, and my wife would testify to the same thing. I'll have to be honest with you, when I was invited to come and share in chapel, I thought there must have been another Jim Murray in, in Colorado that uh, uh, Chaplain Jonathan uh, mistakenly called me, and, uh, and, uh, but I'll tell you, what a joy. You're stuck with me tonight. Any other Jim Murrays here? Am I not taking your place, right? Well, good. You're stuck with me tonight, and uh, I'm just delighted to be able to share with you for the next few minutes. I know that when I was attending chapel, uh, while I was here from 98 to 2004, uh, I always hoped that the preacher in chapel service would go long. You know, that kind of shortened the second half of school. Of course, not for uh, the professors that are here tonight. I, I really wanted this chapel service to go shorter, uh, you know, for Dr. Dan and Dr. Tom and, and uh, I don't know if anybody else, uh, uh, Dr. Joe. And uh, so, you know, for your classes, I was always hoping, oh, Lord, get us out of here. I want to get back to class. But for the other classes and for the other professors, I really just, you know, an extra 45 minutes, preach it, brother. Uh, but I'll try to get you out the best I can on time. Uh, well, God's message for us this evening, as I, I was considering what the Lord would want me to share with you, I, I believe that the Lord is calling us to be uh, something extraordinary, 
something beyond the ordinary. And I believe God is calling his church back to being a house of prayer. And uh, I know this is happening down in Pueblo. Our church, uh, uh, we are just praying for all we're worth, and God is doing some amazing things. So if you would, let's go to the scriptures. Join me in Acts chapter 12. And I asked Dr. Dan not to critique me too much on this. Uh, but Acts chapter 12, and we'll start at verse 1. Follow along in your Bibles if you have them with you. It was about the time of King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had, the, he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of so, four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for a public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was, was to be brought out, I'm sorry, the night before Herod was to bring him out to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. He said, quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off of Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of prison. But he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed they passed the first and the second guards and came to the iron gates leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and then and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt the Lord sent an angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. Verse 12, when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the door entrance, and a servant girl came, named Rhoda came and answered the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed. She ran back in without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his ghost or an angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the brothers about this, he said, and then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers, as you can expect, as to what had happened to Peter, what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him, he did not find him. He cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Would you bow your heads and hearts with me? Father God, we thank you for your word tonight. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just grip us this evening with what you want to say to us. I pray, Lord, that your word would find lodging within each, in each one of our hearts this evening, when all is said and done, we recognize that it has been good to be in your house. We love you. 
hide your servant behind the cross now. Be high and exalted, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The church at this time is growing in number and in influence. King Herod Agrippa doesn't like this. So he has some of the Christians arrested and he brought, the, brought them to trial. In fact, he had the Apostle James, the brother of John, one of the leaders of the church, brought in and beheaded. And when Herod saw that this caused his own popularity to skyrocket, and among the Jewish leaders had uh, his favor, he arranged to have Peter, another uh, key leader in the Christian church, arrested. And Herod's plan was at that moment, when the moment was right, when he would get the most prestige or, uh, uh, or, or visibility, he would call Peter out and have him executed as he did James. This is a dark and dire time for the Christian church. The key, I think, of understanding this whole passage of Scripture is found in verse 5. And we're going to be looking at that predominantly this evening. Uh, let's look at that closely. It says, so Peter was kept in prison. Now, he's guarded. He's chained between two soldiers. There were two soldiers guarding him in the cell, and there were four squads of soldiers who were rotating in and out of the mix. I mean, this is maximum security prison. And this is, uh, there's no way out of this. This is a hopeless situation, except for the verse to say, Peter was kept in prison, and, and honestly, there's no room for error, for the guards, certainly. And so that's why I think Herod had this extra beefed-up security. Uh, Peter's situation was hopeless, except for the fact that the verse says that the church, Peter was kept in prison, but, and I love that three-letter word, that three-letter word tonight can be translated into something a little bit simpler than a three-letter word. It can be translated, that word, but, can be translated as, hold on, wait a minute, something else is going to happen here, kind of moment. Amen? So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. In other words, a brand new reality was being opened up and introduced into Peter's terrible and dire situation. A new factor was in play. The church was praying. Hallelujah. Now, I love this, and I don't want you to miss this, so please listen. When we pray, it doesn't matter how hopeless, how dire, how dark our situation that we're praying about is. When we pray, we are inserting into that dark, dire, hopeless situation a hold on, wait a minute, something else is going to happen here moment. Amen? We need those in our life, I believe. And that new reality is the presence and the power of Almighty God, who is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. How many of you tonight realize that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore? He hit the same power, the same authority that freed Peter from prison is the same power and the same authority that could set you and me free and those we love free. Hallelujah. I read a story about a gathering of world Christian leaders from over 200 countries who met in South Africa. One of the speakers there was named Benjamin Kwashi. Benjamin was an Anglican archbishop in Nigeria. And at this conference, he told the people how, he, how the Christian church in his city has been rocked by persecution by the radical Muslims. Hundreds of Christians have been killed in his city. March of 2009, a gang of radical Muslims broke into Benjamin's house there to kill him. 
He wasn't there at the time, but his wife, unfortunately, was. And they did unspeakable things to her. They beat her and left her for dead. Benjamin came home and found his wife barely alive. But she spent most of the following year in hospitals recovering from what they did. A year later, in March of 2010, the Muslim gang came back in. They broke back into Benjamin's home. At this time, he was there. They dragged him out of his house, and they were about to kill him. They had machetes and clubs, and Benjamin looked up at them and just asked for a moment to pray before they started in on him. He knelt down there in the dirt just outside of his home, and he started to pray to Almighty God. Can you picture this scene with me? A moment later, he felt someone take hold of his hand. He looked at that person, and it was his wife. What incredible courage. She, had, she could have run and hid, and instead she broke through the same line of people who attacked her just a year earlier. She knelt down with her husband to pray in the dirt, knowing that her life was about to come to an end. So this couple, they prayed there in the dust of the road, just waiting for the worst to start. A moment later, Benjamin felt someone else take the hold of his other hand. He looked, and it was his teenage son. Benjamin begged his son to leave so that they wouldn't kill him as well, but his son looked at his dad and said, Father, they've all left. They're all gone. Why did they leave? Well, Benjamin, talking about this later on in the conference, he said, I have no idea why they left. But when he knelt down with his wife in the dirt that day, praying, something else was introduced into that situation, something that the gang couldn't handle, something that they became so afraid of, it was like one of those, hold on, wait a minute, something else needs to happen here moments. Don't we, need all, the, don't we all need those once in a while? Amen. It was implanted right there in the middle of what was, should have been or could have been an absolutely horrible evening. And that's what happens when we pray. That's what happens when we pray. And what I want us to notice this evening about these, uh, this prayer in this, in this uh, passage that we looked at, we learned so much from, here's the first thing. This was corporate prayer. This was corporate. These, these disciples and these, this group of individuals weren't play, praying in their prayer closet. It says in verse 12, many were gathered together. This wasn't them in their homes praying by themselves. There's a place for that, and that's very, very important in our lives. But this was corporate prayer, and I believe that God is calling us, calling us to be houses of prayer and to lead the way bringing our churches back to their knees where we need to be. And when they prayed, things start to happen that wouldn't otherwise. Now in verse 5, there's a word used here that I think is rather revealing uh, on how they were praying. It says that they were earnestly praying. The word earnestly is used, it's really rarely used. The Boston accent slips out every once in a while. But it, it's rarely used in conjunction or connection with prayer. And here it is, earnestly praying. The word can, can mean different things, and I think there are three things that I think are important regarding this word. First of all, it literally means that they were stretching out. They were stretching out, not necessarily physically, but in their prayer, there was some sort of stretching out in their prayer. Now to me, that suggests 
that they were reaching with great longing. They were, they were searching for something. This was, this was more than uh, one of those now I lay me down to sleep kind of prayers. This was earnestly seeking God, earnestly seeking his face, earnestly seeking his, his butt. Wait, on, wait a moment. Insert. This was them. They were, this was something that was so important. Stretching out in prayer. There's desperation, there's deep longing, there's stretching towards something in this prayer. The second meaning, when you look at that word earnestly, there was, there was a sense of intensity in their pleading, their, their pleading before God in prayer. Defiance or rebellion against the status quo. I had a preacher say that once. He said prayer is, is, is rebelling against the status quo. I love that. It suggests a deep emotion, doesn't it? As we listen in this, if we were there and we were able to listen in on this, this prayer here in, in Acts chapter 12, I'm sure we would have heard weepings and groans of intensity. This text just doesn't suggest a quiet prayer time to me. Everybody kind of like meditating. I mean, there's a place for that. There's place, but there are times in our lives where we can't be quiet before God. We need to, to, to cry out to him. Shout out to him. There's a place for meditation and quietness, and, I, and I, I think that's very, very important in our lives. Have you ever been there when you just need to shout out to God? Third meaning of this word, earnestly, suggests that we need to be persistent. We need to be persistent. In other words, this wasn't a quick prayer. Let's, uh, let's pray and get over, and let's break out the snacks kind of prayer. They, were, they, were, they weren't going to give up. Matter of fact, they were, they were going to pray until God did something extraordinary. So they're stretching out. They were, they were longing uh, as they were praying. They were earnestly pleading. They were persistently praying until God responded. There's another thing I want to see, want us to look at tonight in this verse 5. It says that they were praying to God for him. Of course, we're referring to Peter, the leader of, who was in prison. And we've heard about intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer. That, that is what was taking place here in our text. Intercessory prayer is praying for somebody else. Intercessory prayer is, is, is taking God uh, in one hand and, and reaching out to someone in another and bringing the two together. That is what I believe is going on here in our text tonight. They were praying to God, and they were praying for Peter, bringing the two together. And they were praying and pleading, earnestly seeking God on Peter's behalf. They were persistently praying for Peter. And you know, this teaches me that a house of prayer isn't always about me. Isn't always about us. Lord, uh, uh, do something for me today. Meet my needs. Meet my problems. Uh, give me comfort. It, a house of prayer isn't always that way. Sometimes our houses of prayer need to be, and, and deliberately, outward, intercessory, stretching out, earnestly seeking, persistently praying for others. It's pretty clear why these Christians did this. Their leader was in physical prison, was in physical prison. This evening, we all know someone who is in prison, perhaps physically. Did you know... 
In my few short years of pastoral ministry, I realized there are much darker places than being in physical prison. You may know someone tonight that's in the prison of addiction, alcohol, drugs, pornography, or other addictions that keep them in this prison of addiction. And they need someone, church. They need someone to bring, to intercede for them. You may know someone that's trapped in an emotional prison or a mental prison of depression and despair. Someone that's struggling with eating disorders uh, and all other sorts of, of trouble. Victims of sexual and, and physical abuse. They need someone to take them by the hand and intercede for them. This is a high calling. And God calls us to do this on behalf of others. All of us know people that are in a spiritual prison, people who don't know Jesus Christ, those who are far away from God and maybe they don't realize it or, well, they just don't care. They need someone to take them by the hand and bring them before God. Need someone to pray Holy Spirit, open the eyes of my friend. That they may see you. Why? Well, I kind of think of it this way. That like electrical wiring carries a current from one place to another from a main source to another destination. We, as Christ followers, carry the current of God's power, his grace, his love to other people. We need to see and pray for others, inserting into their life one of those, hold on, wait a minute. God has something else planned moments. And it doesn't matter how far gone, I'll tell you the truth. I've seen some hopeless, dark, and dire situations. It doesn't matter how far gone a situation may seem, how hopeless, when we introduce the Holy Spirit into the middle of a situation, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible for God. And through you and me, I believe with all my heart that, that God wants to write an Acts chapter 12, verse 5, into the life of another person. I believe that God wants to do those, hold on, wait a minute, there's something else at work here in another person's life because of your and my intercessory prayer. You know, and, and, and it might be news to some of us, maybe not here at Bible College, but this isn't just a pastor thing, see? This isn't a professional prayer thing. This is a call that God places on all of our lives. And it's a call for God's church to get on their knees and start interceding on behalf of their communities, their homes, their loved ones, those who are in prisons. As the worship team comes back up and closes this evening, I thought we might close as we come before Almighty God together God has been leading me as a pastor down in Pueblo 
for the past two years to call his people back to prayer. It has been so amazing, uh, the fact when, when God's people pray, amazing things happen. When they earnestly seek God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, amazing things happen. Making prayer a priority is our focus down in Pueblo. And you know what? God is doing amazing things. He's breaking people free of things that have kept them captives for way too long. God is calling us to prayer, to be a houses of prayer. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us in this, answering this call. And it gets better. <laughs> As we seek the Holy Spirit to help us in answering this call, the Word of God tells us time and time again that He'll respond in amazing and powerful ways when we call for Him, on Him for help. And I believe that NBC is a great place for this, this, this prayer life, this, this calling your friends and calling your churches and calling your families to being houses of prayer. It's amazing what God will do. Would you stand with me as the worship team starts to play? Holy Spirit, we need you tonight. We need you so much, Lord. We need, we need your love in order to, to really, truly intercede on behalf of others, that we would extend your love in powerful and supernatural ways, that we would extend your grace and teach people about how awesome, how excellent, to put on display for all the world to see your beauty. Lord, make it so in me. Make it so in us tonight. Lord, help us be responders to your call. Lord, I pray that as we sing this closing song that we would be mindful of someone that we know that is in a prison. Perhaps, it's, perhaps it is a physical prison. We, we pray for their safety. We pray for their health. We pray for their, their eyes to be open to the truth of the gospel message. Maybe it's a prison of addiction or a mental, emotional prison or a spiritual prison. Lord, we all know someone that needs Jesus Christ. Lord, burden our hearts for them. Burden our hearts for the lost. Burden our hearts for those who are unable to break free and, and, and loosen those chains that they can walk in the power and the grace of Christ. We love you. We thank you for what you're doing. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go to his peace. Praise his name.